0: and welcome to our Scots Way Best Music of 2018 podcast and I am joined again by Chris Wald, Hello. Lucas, Hello. Uh, Wesley Shearer and uh, we may be talking about young fathers later on so we've got our very own young father Ian Gregson <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Nicely done.
0: laughs> and uh, I know what we're going to do this time round is we'll each read out our list of, of favourite uh, albums. Because there might be some crossover and then everyone kind of gets a mention. So I'm going to start off with um, Scott's Hay best albums of 2018, and they are in no particular order. Modern Studies um, Welcome Strangers, Carla Jaston's Impossible Stuff, L Space's Kipple Arcadia, Catherine Joseph's From When I Wake, The Want Is, Viva La Rose For She Who Hangs the Moon, Zoe Bestel's Transience, and C.S. Buckin and Friends with C.S. Buckin and Friends. Um, Chris, what's your list?
1: Uh, again, like order is kind of nebulous for the most part. So just the ten albums that I really like this year. Spent a lot of time with uh, Your Queen Is a Reptile by Sons of Kemet, uh, twenty twelve to twenty seventeen by Against All Logic, uh, Hive Mind by the Internet, Cocoa Sugar by Young Fathers, uh, Crush EP by Raiden Lanée, uh Post Era by Lilo, Sky, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Skylight by Pinegrove. Uh, there's A Riot Going On by Yola Tengo, self titled album from Kids See Ghosts, and Honey by Robin. Okay, and Wesley? I
2: actually have not put together a list of ten, <laughs> so, uh, but I have a very, very, very long list of albums that I've listened to and not spent time a lot of time with. Okay. Um, but I will reveal all as we discuss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough, oh, intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds like the way he's losing his homework, that's it? That's
1: exactly, that's exactly what it is. Can't, can't make the choice of the ten.
0: I, so. From uh, the original list that I read out, the, the got A list. Is there any um that you would like to discuss?
1: Uh, Catherine Joseph, let's start with Captain
0: Joseph. Let's go. start with oh, Catherine yeah. Joseph. It's and make so I think that um you know her last album was kind of so revered, very difficult to follow up a record that's kind of f- means so much to people. But I think she definitely did it. From when I wake, the want is. Yeah. Um, What can you say about Catherine Joseph? Just amazing um, singer songwriter that is kind of unlike anyone else. I mean, there's not really anyone else that does what she does. I mean, there are other people that obviously um, are piano based, keyboard based singer songwriters, but there's something about the way she does it that seems to be unique. Uh, Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like, again, it's it's almost that kind of like otherworldly kind of thing it seems like it's coming from some place like deeper than herself kind of you know she's drawn on this kind of well of like you know deep emotional intensity you know it's again it's not like you think singer-songwriter at piano it's not light it's not um it's not elton john it's not elton john, <laughs> it's not like you know um easy listening <laughs> as such I mean I it's not to say it's, it's dissonant it's just the kind of again the intensity of the emotions and the kind of the, the turmoil that you can hear underneath it and the kind of way that she builds soundscapes out of it. because obviously every song is kind of based around like voice and piano but then it kind of develops from there and you get the kind of the production work that goes in it and um,
0: I think that's, that's an good. interesting point But saying it's not easy listening because that intensity of emotion. Some people don't like it. They don't yeah. like uh, you know, addressing it, and feeling, it, and it does make people uncomfortable. I think that's interesting in itself. I think that's yeah.
1: a- I think it really came through. I don't know if you saw the the live version of it. She presented the tramway like in association with. No. Um, I've completely forgotten the name of the theatre company now. That's terrible. Um, the uh, kind of experimental theatre company in Scotland. Uh, right. That's half no, it's um, along similar lines. That's absolutely terrible. It's one word. Uh, for we'll in we'll in. put a, a yeah, note yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, we'll But um, yeah, so she did a, a full album performance. She did it a couple of nights at the tramway and then took it to, I think, Dundee and Edinburgh as well and possibly down to London. And it was... St- oh, Converse. Converse oh, yeah. Theatre Company. Uh, and she did it in collaboration with them. So it was a very designed performance. It was just her at the piano by herself uh, playing the album straight through. Uh, so no pause to like talk to the audience or anything no songs from earlier work it was just a complete full album wow. that lasted 45 minutes, the lighting was designed to be keyed into the emotional tenor of the album she was wearing a specially designed outfit for it uh, there was kind of a set around her like a kind of series of mirrors that were able to be tilted and posed and you know everything was just where it was meant to be, it was very kind of stage managed uh, and yeah it was just it was a really like again blurring the line between kind of like theatre and perf- like live performance and th- there wasn't really much in the way of like additional material between songs and she would occasionally get up and there'd be some like stylized movement she'd you know she'd she'd move a mirror or she'd like lift a glass and drink in a very particular way or something like that but it was just kind of
0: a theatrical performance yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, it was music. bringing
1: that kind of element of stagecraft to a performance of the album, rather than necessarily being like a narrative piece that featured songs from the album. But yeah, it was just a really, again, the intensity of it, like just really kind of really great, overwhelming performance.
0: Um I know this is the music podcast, but going back to the the, the film one which we recorded yeah. some time previously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> best thing about Outlaw King was having yeah, yeah, <laughs> song the
1: songs in the credits.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, was that an album you managed to listen to?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I've always been a fan of anything she's really been working on. Uh, as Chris touched on, she's an extremely unique artist. Uh, and again, going back to the podcast, if you want to talk about um, not championing somebody because of their, their nationality, yeah. uh, she's very much, when we were discussing Lynne Ramsey, yeah. uh, creating her own unique thing that is actually transcends our nationality. I think Catherine Joseph is very, very similar on that point. She has uh, someone who is filling the void of, you know, the sort of lack of, you know, Joanna Newsome and Kate yeah, Bush and all yeah, those yeah, kind of yeah, things yeah, which are very, up with those people. very uh, you know, lazy comparisons mm-hmm. in a sense, but that theatrical music, vocal, piano thing that that hasn't been done a lot lately.
0: I think as well her collaborations are interesting. Yeah. Um, I, with uh, Adam Hubbard and with um, out, Outlines out of, Outlines that's the thing yeah um, because whatever she does or whoever she works with she adds something to it you know yeah uh, for me anyway when Outlines uh, uh, Album's a great example you know
2: her presence is just kind of makes it it takes things to another level I think anyway and she's very actively involved in the sort of creative community as well which yeah. is, is always a, an encouraging thing yeah you see her
1: everywhere yeah. like she's always out about like gigs and yeah. other kind of you know creative endeavours she's always there supporting the yeah. scene and everything like, yeah she's a, she's a key part of it
0: I mean this would be a good time to mention this I think at the moment the Scottish music scene is as healthy as it's ever been in terms of that in terms of the way that people support each other and kind of you know, there's not the which has not always been the case, but basically, maybe you could say what uh, you think about that.
2: I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think um, we touched upon a. I've completely forgotten the name of it now. That that film last year about, um, ooh, uh, Scottish film. Super November. No, no. About it was it last year's podcast. Oh, last year's. It, it was about uh, Adam Hubbard and. Oh. With, um, oh.
1: I know exactly well, the, the one about Kemp underground yes
2: right? um, or no they went to Boston France Boston Lost France, France, France that's yeah, yeah. got there eventually yeah. so, um, <laughs> we got don't everything. worry Ian <laughs> can <laughs> <say. laughs> I mean, everything's getting older I'm just, I'm just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as we discussed that last year we talked about you know the the flaws of that film in the mm. sense that it was harking back to an older day of creative community um, and wasn't really you know properly um, looking forward, um, I was looking back and I was looking introspectively. And I think since that, um, this whole flourish of creative community across not just Glasgow, not just Edinburgh, but both cities has really came together and worked really, really well. well and there's been lots across collaborations from people you wouldn't expect to work together, which has then formed this new community. and people have been involved from different labels and helping each other out, um, which I know you're a big supporter Mm -hmm. of a lot of local labels um, yourself, Ali, Mm -hmm. and it's a really, really healthy time at the moment. Um, I can't say particularly that there's been a huge amount of Scottish releases that I've been familiar with Mm -hmm. this year, other than the obvious ones that we'll discuss, but what I have noticed is that um, really supportive um, sort of energy, it's been like a call to arms almost of um, of creative musicians from across varying genres
0: and varying backgrounds? Absolutely, and I, I was lucky enough to do a couple of podcasts, one in Dundee and one in Aberdeen, um, and it was the same thing in both those cities, that there's a real boost in creativity, but collaboration as well, and people saying, right, okay, um, I, I'm a visual artist, but I want to do a show with some music, so who can I get to come along and play to that? And, you know, that goes with a show and film... Or um, there's going to be some spoken words. Um, I was at a thing just recently where um, it was the launch of a poetry collection, but there was music at it as well. And there, there, there seems to be um, a yeah, really good collaborative and supportive atmosphere around the place at the moment. Is there's really...
1: a real diversity of sounds as well. I think yeah. a lot of like, genres, like even 10 years ago, would have been almost unthinkable. It would be like kind of, you know, bands that would have been to think of them as being, like, a key part of the scene now, you know, the kind of music that they're making, just because the, the stereotypical image of, like, Scottish, you know, independent music is is postcard, it's chemical underground, it's, you know, it's guitar-driven, it's, you know, all this this, largely male, largely white, mm-hmm. and just there's so much coming through now that is so kind of putting the light of that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. I, like... No, again again, just like so many different kind of types of music being made now. I mean, obviously we're inevitably gonna talk about Young Fathers and I imagine that's gonna happen sooner rather than later. But just the thought that <laughs> like the thought of that like ten years ago the, the like the consensus best band in the country would be Young Fathers, like and the kind of music that they make is it's just like true. is yeah, it's just like such a, a welcome development, you yeah. know? Just the fact that a band like that can even exist and sustain themselves. And not just that, but like Break round like win, being the first act to win like the Scottish Album of the Year Award twice, and you know like be nominated for the Mercury, and you know sell out like so many venues across the country, so many times in one year, and have such a loyal following, and all that is such a heart in development. It's incredible. I mean, let's well let's talk about them now
0: because uh, they, they very quickly have gone from being. Um, a unusual to being just one of the main bands around, um, selling out b- big gigs all up constantly as you say um, albums of the year, and uh, not just Scottish Album of the Year but a lot of people's favourite album of the year I think, um, why, why does the album for instance uh, work so
1: well for you? I think it's just again, it's like Catherine Joseph, they're doing something that's kind of maybe on the surface is similar to what other people have done in the past but they bring just that kind of level of intensity to it and there's that kind of like a mould in it to fit their own personalities Um for me, like, I mean, obviously they initially started out kind of being categorised as hip-hop mm-hmm. so more than anything else. You know, they were kind of, you'd get them mentioned in the same breath as, like, Hector Berserk and Stanley Odd and all that kind of era mm-hmm. like, maybe, like, five, six years ago, that kind of era of, like, Scottish hip-hop kind of immersion. But now they, they're almost kind of like Scotland's answer to TV on the radio, I think, more yeah, than anything yes. else. You know, they've become this kind of weird art-pop thing where they'll still refer to themselves as, like, a boy band. Mm-hmm. And, like, when you see them live they do perform they look like a boy band on stage, you know, it's the three of them up yeah, front, yeah, like yeah. behind microphones and then they'll have like a live drummer behind them and, you know, they'll set off backing tracks and stuff and they'll occasionally, you know, they'll tinker about the computers and what have you, but the, the, the visual presentation of them is still very much as like a pop act, you know, they'll yeah. dance and they'll, you know, they'll sing, but it's just this kind of mutant strain of pop that's not quite, <laughs> you um, know, like,
0: I, I, it strikes me um, probably because I've subtitled loads of um, old Top of the Pops. But if Top of the Pops is still going on a yeah. program like that, that they're exactly the kind of band that folk would be. Oh my God, who the hell is this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then go out and and you know be huge because of
1: it. I think that there are a band as well that seeing them live just completely changes your yes. experience of them because it's such an incredible live show. Like even for like, the first time I saw them was at. Um, it was like a charity gig and it was in the the Armadillo. so I was seated for it it was in the balcony I think it was they were on the bill with Bell and Sebastian Mogwai and uh, Franz Ferdinand mm-hmm. and Young Fathers opened I'd never seen them live or I'd be a fan of the records but even from the distance of being up in the balcony you know like as far away from the stage as you can get just uh, the force of that show was like so overwhelming yeah. it was just like is unreal. And that is interesting. This music is being made here because so if you think
0: of the three other bands you've mentioned, yeah, you know they are old school Scottish yeah. indie pop. Yeah. That's kind of how we think of them, it, you yeah. without yeah. wanting to be um And then you've got this new sound breaking through. I think it's interesting actually to look at the shortlist from this year's Scottish Album of the Year. I know we've talked about this every year, but this year it makes your point very well because you would Babe, Best Girl Athlete, Franz Ferdinand, Golden Teacher. Cain Paul worked with Pippa Murphy, Mm -hmm. which is a great record. Uh, Mogwai outlines Siobhan Wilson and the winners, of course, Young Fathers. I mean, that's a really diverse and healthy you know, shortlist. And I know not everyone uh, likes the idea of um, awards for music and all of these things, but it does get the discussions going, these sorts of discussions going, definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think Young Fathers, again, like just... I don't think anybody was expecting it to happen just because they'd won in the past I think when everybody was talking about like oh not laying bets necessarily but trying to weigh the odds of who was likely to win I think everybody just immediately ruled out Young Fathers because they'd won before and you're like well they've never given anybody the award twice it's probably not going to why would they start now it's only six years in or whatever there's so many other, You know, they'll probably spread the wealth a bit. so I think the fact that like, they've already been like no that doesn't matter Young
2: Fathers made the best album they, they made, made the best, best album you yeah know yeah like. yeah and it's, it's interesting that you, you were touching on the whole uh, sort of boy band pop thing because if you think back to way before they even brought out tape one that, that, that's what they were they were yeah. a pop band they were making really bright you know colourful pop music um, with hip hop infused elements there. yep um, and it gradually, gradually, gradually honed their sound to become this more visceral intense, tense, um, but still with that boy band sensibility and um, I remember the, discussing it a couple of years ago when uh, White Men or Black Men 2 came out mm-hmm. and I was discussing how it was sort of, you know, the initial reception to it for me was really, really great, but by the time it came to the end of the year it wasn't on my, yeah. my end of the year album list. Um, but. This album called Sugar has been entirely different. Like straight from the off, you just knew this was a complete game changer. Yeah, it's an amazing. Um, it really, really is, and it's just it's um, it's relentless from start to finish. The energy on it's incredible. You could strip back the the lyrical content on that and still get the sort of unruly feeling of unrest and you know social discomfort that's coming through that record. And uh, it's as it a complete work of art. Yeah, it really is, and coming from the genre of this sort of weird sort of art pop that you never expected them to really transcend into. I, I mean, there are other there are other
0: good records involved. There were other great records made and on the long list and stuff. But as time has gone on, it feels to me that you were yeah, that's a great record. Yeah. yeah so, Wesley, are you going to uh, hit us with any of your your um, lists that we, uh, we don't <laughs> well,
2: Yeah, remember? since we're talking about Scottish stuff, we can talk about yeah. some stuff. Um, I think... Uh, for me, top of the list in terms of Scottish stuff, apart from Young Fathers, uh, was the Master System record, um, Dance Music. Right. So that was great, I think, for me this year. Um, obviously, we had the sort of tragic news this year that, that Scott Hutchison had yes. um, taken his own life, and I don't think we should really dwell on it too much in the podcast, um, other than just really discuss what a great part and gift he'd, he'd left for everyone. Um, it was just a terrific album for me, I mean, like as someone who's um, kind of grown up in the 90s with, as a lot of a lot of us has um, sort of the grunge all kind of uh, rock stuff like noise rock stuff Sonic Youth and all that that was really hugely appealing to me because yeah. it had that sound that the um, Frank Drabbit didn't have and I'm a huge Frank Rabbit fan as a lot of us are but um, it had that sort of sound while still having the sort of powerful penetrative lyrics that, that Scott has always brought to the table and I think it, it was basically, obviously, him and Grant had brought the band together with uh, Justin Lockie and James Lockie from, uh, Justin from Editors and his brother James Lockie, mm-hmm. who were in Minor Victories, and uh, run Handheld Cine Club together, which is the sort of video production company. And uh, it really came about because apparently Scott was watching Paul's tour uh, with Frightened Rabbit quite a mm-hmm. lot, and he was just like completely jealous of how yeah, they, well, would boys just boys whip, boys. they would just whip out their, their pedals and just yeah plug them in and just start playing every single night and he mm-hmm. was like I really want to go back to, to the way that it used to be so let's put together this band and that was the last time um, ever saw Scott perform live because it was very very close to um, to that time mm-hmm. and they played a show at the art school and we'll discuss games later but it was just a really energetic raw album um, and it touched on a lot of really difficult issues yeah. in a completely new way that that he hadn't explored before and the band hadn't explored before which is a very interesting record yeah uh, I don't know if any of you have checked it out I, I haven't I have to say yeah I Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the other one for me as well was uh, the Aram Hubbard and Aidan Moffat oh yes yes uh, the Here Lies a Body album the Christmas album that they brought recently was, was also really really yeah, good I, um, yeah really like the Christmas album really nice way to round off the year I think um, but Here Lies a Body was great for me I think you have when you see an Aram Hubbard and Aidan Moffat collaboration happening you've got certain expectations yes. of it yes you expect it to be good for a start, yeah. <laughs> but you expect Hubby to bring something to the table and Ed Moffat to bring something mm-hmm. to the table. yet yeah, it doesn't at all take you down that like path of predictability that you expected. Actually, I agree um,
0: totally. It's I mean, it because they've yeah. collaborated before. Of course, yeah. And you think I know what this is going to sound like, and yeah. you go, Nah, no, it <laughs> doesn't. <laughs> stop
2: It takes all the sort of best and uh, like well recognised elements of both of their, their work. Um, and then adds all of these extra layers not least with the addition of Chubot Wilson um, playing I think she plays cello on the record yeah. and adding uh, to it as well and, and it's a very much a more um, forlorn and sort of soulful way than Moffat that you've never really really heard before um, yeah. and it's almost surprisingly uplifting in the sort of bleak little story there that's going on Um yeah it's just a really really tender really intimate record and it kind of felt like listened to it for the first time it was as if you were like in a wrapped away in a sort of cozy bothy with your your friends and you kinda leave to go down to the pub to have a little hoff and hoff and then come back up the road again to kind of round it off and it was just very, very atmospheric um, without being forced.
0: I think what what Aidan Waffert in particular is doing and a lot of the, the people that he collaborates with is really interesting because as we know, we've spoken in previous years, he kind of started to immerse himself in the history of folk music and look, really look into that. And what he's doing now, really, is a, a, a kind of his own take on folk music. You know, it's the stories that from those around him. And he's a storyteller, and, he's, and that's what he's doing at the moment in a great way. I
1: think that comes through really sharply on the Christmas record as well, where there's a couple of tracks that are basically just spoken word pieces from him. You know, he's telling stories from start to end, and Hubbard is just creating, like, a soundscape behind him to accompany it. You know, there's a story about... Told kind of from the point of view of a Christmas tree as it's cut down and put in a house and then eventually burned on the fire, you know, used for firewood. There's another one about his daughter potentially seeing the ghost of an old man in the mirror and all this kind of stuff. And um, it's uh, yeah, it's really interesting the kind of point he's at in his career and also kind of charting the development of his career. It feels like since the end of Arab Strap he's kind of gone from project to project he's never really settled on one thing too long you know he had he was kind of doing LPR for a while after That's Arab right, Strap I forgot about that. and um, after that he did the spoken word stuff you know and then he was did an album with the best dogs, and then finally settled out. into the Bill Wells stuff he added a couple albums there but now he's also let, like left that behind did the Where You're Meant to Be stuff and yeah. now he's working with Hubbard and he's done two albums with him in a year it was almost kind of startling to me to realise like they actually haven't made an album together before. Yeah. He's so associated, like, yeah. Hubbard and Moffat as, you know, collaborators, as members of the same scene and kind of having come up together at the same time, whether it's, you know, when Hubbard was in, like, A Long Tragedo or, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or, you know, Moffat was an Arab Strap and just kind of constantly kind of cross-pollinating and all of that. And it's just this really, um, yeah, it's, it's really startling to realise this is actually the first full-length thing they've done together, especially when you think, like, Car Song is kind of, like, a high point in both of their careers yeah yeah, yeah, that yeah initial collaboration on record with like you know the pair of them like, in to get like and two entire albums worth of stuff in the one year is like yeah finally this actually this makes sense because i think like for all that is a, a, a kind of a departure for both of them especially here lies the body i do think that like hubbard's melodic sense isn't a million miles removed from malcolm middleman yeah. so there yeah, are yeah. definitely moments on the christmas album in particular that feel like the closest we've had to Arab strap since Arab strap split yeah. like the particularly like late period Arab strap like where we've left and where we left our love kind of Arab strap you know or like uh, to all a good night kind of Arab strap you know that kind of more subdued and less body and kind of more reflective than you know on age and mortality and you know, all that kind of stuff so yeah just both beautiful pieces of work
0: I think you're right I think the uh, you know it's two people who just seem to understand each other and when you've got um Hubbard's, you know, sense of musicianship. It's just an incredible thing mm-hmm, uh, yeah, that they, yeah. they create. Um, I would like to talk about record, which I don't think either of you I might be wrong. It's CS Buckingham and Friends, and the reason that is Charlie Buckingham, and this is from Aberdeen. Now, one of the reasons I ended up doing uh, the Aberdeen podcast was to talk to, to Charlie. He runs Fitlight Records, a um, small record company who put out Best Girl Athlete. Okay. And this girl athlete is Katie, Charlie's daughter. Oh. Uh, and basically, Charlie then and friends are the musicians behind that, you know. So they're they're putting it. But he put his own record out this year, and he's had stuff out before called CS Buckingham and Friends. And I'm going to step away from the mic so I don't miss anyone out here. No. But um, it's a brilliant uh, again. It's collaboration because he's. If you judge people by the friendships that he keeps, then he knows uh, many people, because he's got Michael um, Chang. He's got, uh, oh gosh, my, I can't read because my eyes are terrible. He's got Katie Buckingham on it. He's got Stephen Milne from The Little Kicks. I'll do it by memory. Um, he's got Elizabeth Russell on it. Um, he has uh, Iona Fife on it, who won um, awards for being folk musician of the year this year, and um, Pete Harvey, uh, who's in modern studies, is on it. So you know he's got a lot of good collaborators. It's a fantastic record, and I think you know, sometimes I'm guilty of it as anyone. We we think about the Central Belt and the stuff that's happening um, between uh, Glasgow and Edinburgh, but there's uh, lots of other great music being made. Um, elsewhere for instance a lot of great music coming out of um, the Highlands and Islands as well, a band called Trookers um, are really interesting um, yeah so it's just a kind of play to, to kind of check out stuff that's not just um, uh, on your doorstep and that's happening elsewhere um, and uh, yeah you should also listen to the podcast we did with Charlie and friends and Shane Strachan and uh, a guy from a oh god mode of I'll remember it in a minute um, uh, up in Aberdeen because it was really interesting to kind of get their take on one what's happening in Aberdeen, and a, um, and to see that you know there there is a scene kind
1: of happening up there as well. Any other Scottish stuff before we move on to. Yeah, plenty actually. Okay. I think it's been, as you say, it's been a really strong year to the degree that we've already talked about so many albums and I still have like a ton of my list that we haven't even watched yet. I really loved uh, Lilo's album from this year. Yes, this year, I agree, which yeah, came yeah, yeah. January. Um, Reflect about another trend this year, which I don't know if it's driven by streaming or whatever, but uh, really short albums this year, a lot of albums were around like the 25 minute mark. Yeah. You know, this year, particularly hip hop in particular this year um, had a lot of that, um, or it went from one extreme to the other. You'd either get like a 25 a nice concise 25 minute album where you'd get one like you know Migos or Lil Wayne or something which so would put out like an hour and three quarters you know just to try and maximise their streaming numbers but um, yeah Lilo again probably the members would be familiar anybody who's ever like drunk or eaten in like stereo or mono or you know like the old hairdressers or anything like they're, they're well known faces around Glasgow have been in the scene for years in various bands but uh, yeah the album that they put out this year posterior is kind of taking a kind of like, I guess, kind of instrumentation and sounds and textures from like 80s pop, I would say, but then kind of turn it into this kind of, maybe the sounds you'd more associate with kind of like easy listening stuff, but then turn them into more kind of danceable material. So it's kind of, it's got that kind of energy of maybe any electronic act, but it's performed entirely by a live band. Um, but again, with these kind of more textured kind of interludes and just, yeah, really enjoyable listen, kind of, yeah, thoroughly recommend a very good live as well. Um, also, really enjoyed uh, the A. Wesley Chung album, Neon yes, Coast. I agree. Uh, followed up last year, I believe uh, his album last year was Great Albatross. Yes, my favorite album yeah. record of last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird though that he's released it under his own name because, like, the Great Albatross is one of these things, like The Fall, where it's like it essentially it's just him and yeah. whatever he has to hand. So it's interesting that he's actually chosen to put this one out as A. Wesley Chung and not as you know the Great Albatross because. It's not a million miles away it's from not, the great Albertus
0: either. He might um, have said that it's more kind of personal stuff about you know the move to Scotland. I think it, I I for feeling that's the maybe the thinking okay. behind it, but I might be wrong. Yeah,
1: um, but yeah, another gorgeous album with that kind of like Americana, yeah. like Laurel.
0: Cameron, he's a real talent. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's yeah, got. Yeah. I mean. A singular voice in terms of songwriting, but also his actual singing voice is just really instantly recognizable and just has such a kind of richness to it. And yeah, it's just really expressive performer. Um, I really loved the Proc Fiscal album, Insula, so he's kind of like a. Um, it's largely instrumental, it's kind of instrumental grind, from Edinburgh, and it kind of struck me more as uh, not a million miles away from Rusty, not totally as hyperactive, I would say, but definitely in terms of like the amount of sampling that's going on and just kind of bridging the divide between maybe like Glasgow and Edinburgh's kind of dance communities and you know the kind of like club scenes and you know people who don't necessarily go out clubbing but still like you know that kind of music maybe um, yeah just really interesting stuff really really enjoyed that um,
0: non-clubbing clubbers non-clubbing clubbers
1: uh, it me um, <laughs> I really like the self-titled uh, debut EP from Hairband who again ah. are uh, I get probably familiar faces to a lot of people from their work in other bands yes. uh, through the years but uh, yeah, saw them open for sesumi Korean indie band, at Stereo uh, a couple of months ago, and yeah, we just totally blown away. I and they played at the Scottish Album of the Year Awards. As they well. did. They in, did it in the place of um, who won last year's Sacred Pause. That's yeah, right. they they couldn't perform like, due to other commitments, but they handpicked a uh, hair band to perform in their stead uh, and
0: I will, we will talk about gigs later on but I just want to say that I love that record as well a hair band uh, record it came out in Monorail which is interesting yeah they're so they've started release, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely and I've seen them a couple of times live and they are I think one of the best live bands you'll see they're yeah, just terrific. phenomenal
1: yeah it reminded me more than anything probably of Deer Hunter, I think and yeah. kind of like they're an indie band but they're so eclectic in what they draw from that it's just again bringing all these influences into something that sounds kind of new you know, they like, know it sound like deerhunter per se but it's no. just that kind of that like cross-pollination of genres and that like eclecticism and that voracious kind of appetite for for new sounds and like bringing it in and, yeah really enjoy
0: it it's that really clever thing about being obviously been very good musicians but it sounds like it could fall apart at any moment but yeah. it doesn't it's a looseness to it again it yeah. Real, yeah. and they do you know they'll, they'll swap instruments and things like that they're, you know they, they're a if you get the chance to see them live the record's great but if you get the chance to see them live I'd really recommend
1: it yeah um, another year another really solid album from the band formerly known as Happy Meals who yes. go by and Free Love yeah. and Luxury Hits they've quietly and steadfastly put out an album a year for the last this is I think this is the fourth year in a row that we've had like a, a an album length release from they've called a couple of them EPs but um, just again another really solid one again they're the ones that if you see them live it just completely transforms the experience as well. They yeah, saw them they're excellent. The, opened for the Flaming Lips at the bars last year, and like, you know, it is like a tough job to compete with the Flaming Lips in terms of spectacle, but like they really kind of went for it and really like put on a show. And um, yeah, again, the album's very, very solid. Uh, I think they've quietly become like one of the country's best bands, you know, yeah. if I, if name change or not, you know, they're just so reliable and so consistent that it almost becomes easy to kind of undervalue yeah because they're so good all the time, but yeah, it, it definitely really enjoyed that. And again, another band that like kind of shows Scottish independence and come to terms with like a fear of pop. <laughs> so, you know, it's like it's okay to sound like you know to bring in instrumentation and sounds from like top forty pop and make them your own. You I use think and say,
0: pop is yeah. having a great time yeah, at the yeah, moment, and I, Carla Jason's album is a great example of that. You know, this is someone who. In uh, Teen Canteen and Et, uh, yeah. and I collaborated with you know, Eugene Kelly and Aidan Moffat as well. I think you yeah. be Currently um, on tour with ca- Aidan Moffat yeah. and
1: Hubbard as we speak.
0: So, uh, and I think Impossible Stuff seemed to be the kind of culmination of what she's been doing over the last oh, quite a while now. I, and it it came to great through. And again, it's an unashamed pop record. But with an indie heart at it as well, no doubt about it, um, and that's clearly what she loves. Mm.
1: Yeah, I put in one more show for one more kind of great Scottish album this year, and then just slipped in at the very end of the year. it Was literally released a fortnight ago. A uh, Morris sinking in a miracle. So right. again, another kind of supergroup, kind of fronted by Richard Youngs, uh, with drums by Paul Thompson from France Ferdinand, yeah. but. Not sounding like anything any of those guys have done before is kind of their take on like Arthur Russell Larry Levan Paradise Garage kind of stuff so this kind of spacey dubby disco stuff which again I'm I'm afraid to pop but if you if you've ever like listened to in the light of the miracle and been like this is the best song ever put to up wax then this is definitely. Along those lines, is definitely worth checking out for fans of that kind of era. Embrace kind of, the we pop as well. Concerned. We've got yeah. to embrace the pop. Definitely. I
0: just want to say before we go any further, it was mood of collapse. Was the guy I was trying to um, remember yeah. in Aberdeen, John Reed, and you check out his uh, website. Um, so there's a few uh, other uh, Scottish records I'd like to talk about. Um, L Space, uh, Kipple Arcade, they're on last night from Glasgow, and I've been going on about them on the website for a while, but so this is the first full length release. And it's, um, again, it's a pop record, but it's um, influenced by soundtracks as much as other bands, I think. And there's a real John Carpenter, Blade Runner-y feel. uh, The songs are all about, you kind of a future, a dystopia or after, you know, things have all fallen apart and as such it's one of those kind of records that feels very current and very important right now I think Um, I don't know if either of you no? no, No, Well you should definitely check out L Space, they're a a, a fantastic band Um, and then I also want to mention um, Viv La Rose who was also David Luxeman and Herbert who was also uh, one of our podcast guests and uh, this is the way it sometimes works he sent me one of his tracks, I went I think this is amazing, Shahalian off uh, the record for "She Who Hangs the Moon" very much, um, singer songwriter, some guitar, but then other tracks have got strings and there's piano and it's just very it's utter class, uh, you know, uh, uh, from start to finish. Um, so he sent me the rest of it and listened to that. And went, oh this is amazing. How did you make it?" Did a podcast with him and you know, that's the way it works sometimes. But I would really uh, recommend checking it out because um, he's done it again, but it seemed to be repeat myself about people who have done it off their own back but he has done it off his own back again and he put it out and there was good feedback I think from various record labels but they were either just didn't, you know, were full of their rosters were full or they couldn't do it now so I went, you know what, I'm going to give this a go myself Um, and what he's produced is much better than uh, it's got any right to be considering that and it shows you um, that that it can be done and although we're not talking about books we've recorded a Best of Books one uh, with Vicky Riley and that's part of the discussion there that there's more and more people who are putting out that I mean I'm not, it is self-publishing but there are ways of doing it that are more structured than that kind of vanity publishing used to be so I think it's interesting that people are finding a way to get their things out there but it's not all about Scottish stuff what else have you guys been listening to over the years?
2: Uh and an abundance of stuff to be quite honest. Then, um, just before we recorded, uh, Chris and I were talking about how I feel like we've went through so many albums this year, but not tended to spend a lot of time with with all of those albums. Right. Um, so so what why, ones which you have spent? So, yeah, yeah, that's why I've sort of struggled to put together a top ten, if you like. Yeah, sure. But ones that have stuck with me throughout the year, are sort of looking at doing some notes coming into this and was thinking how to break it down really. Um, two sort of main themes or genres if you like really stuck out for me this year and um one of them which i'll open with because i think it will lead into a lot of other stuff that chris can talk about would be uh, female hip-hop this year has been absolutely magnificent i think um, it's been strong for a number of years now but it's just going from strength to strength i think um, i mean one of the albums up, one of the albums of the year for me i think has to be um, room 25 by no name mm-hmm. Which is absolutely outstanding, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think we spoke about maybe I briefly mentioned Princess Nokia last year, who was doing some really cool hip hop stuff. Um, but No Name, like her, sort of represents this new um, breed of hip hop that's full of kind of soulful, subtle nineties throwbacks. Um, and it comes off the back of a lot of the kind of soulful R and B stuff we've seen recently, which yeah. has been Solange and um, SZA and stuff like that. Yet she takes it to a completely different level. She sort of kind of of subverting the expectations of kind of female rappers, um, and specifically women in hip hop, Um, and it kind of channels the likes of Erica Badu quite a lot. Uh, And she's put together this really forward-thinking, challenging, and really thought-provoking record, um, and it sets her apart from really anyone else in that sort of neo-soul hip hop genre at the moment. Uh, it blends, blends a lot of jazz and poetry um, and the musicality of it and the complexity of the of the ideas that it discusses um, is honestly like nothing I've heard in a, a long time. Um, I'd really recommend anyone with any sort of interest in <coughs> neo-soul, R&B, jazz, um, even if you're not massively into hip-hop, I don't think you need to be for this record. Okay. Um, it's well, well worth it. So it's good. Is that one he uses? as well? Yeah, yeah, it's a terrific album. I think it's worth pointing out as well. She kind of,
1: she rose through Chicago's, like, spoken word scene, so that's kind of the origins of it. So rather than, like, necessarily coming from a strict hip-hop background, it's like, I think is informed by that as well. So that's, again, the complexity of the ideas and her delivery, because her delivery is almost like, it's a very conversational flow that she has. You know, you don't listen to it and think this is someone who's really, it doesn't feel, like, stylized, you know. No fragments of sound or whatever it feels like yeah Yeah. she's got such a kind of mellow voice as well and it's so yeah just the way it comes through and just some really sharp funny lines on it as well you know and uh, she's probably best known if anybody hasn't heard her solo work but as a fan of Chance the Rapper you've probably heard her because she's guested on a couple of his records as well um, but yeah you know, she's she's really something else like her debut album was a uh, Telephone did that came out last year the year before I think yeah, two yeah. years ago? Yeah. ago yeah Yeah, but like it, I mean it was a fantastic debut but this was just yeah this fulfilled expectations of the follow up really really strong piece of work
0: okay and what be yourself top record um, if, I think if you could have one if I had
1: to like put, pick it down one again not to be like the whole like the record we need right now or whatever but um, Sons of Kemet yeah, your queen is a reptile which is um it's such a strong jazz scene in London just now mm-hmm. is ridiculous the amount of great kind of new young jazz bands that are coming through no, no, like no. something new yeah so you've got like the kind of the, this kind of driving force of uh, Sons of Kemet Chewbacca Hutchings who's a six-off he's also responsible for the Comet is coming who were nominated for the American Prize last year Sons of Kemet were nominated this year but as well as him you know you've got like Nubia Garcia Ezra Collective he's got this really strong young vanguard of like new jazz acts coming through and, I mean it's kind of parallel in America as well obviously the kind of the kind of forefront of that in America is Kamazi Washington you know he came mm-hmm. out kind of rose the prominence off the back his collaborations with Kendrick Lamar and you know this kind of intersection of jazz and hip hop over there and now you have a really strong kind of emerging jazz scene like all across like in various cities across America that's as well. interesting so um, it's Sons of Kemet, this one just feels very again for an album that's largely instrumental it feels so like politically urgent <laughs> right now you know again there are spoken words like contributions on it against the backdrop of this kind of like Jazz this it's so unusually like structured as well. The the band is two drummers, saxophonist and a tuba rather than a bassist. So the the bass line is played entirely on tuba. So you're really depending on the sax to drive the melodicism of it, and it really feels like it comes down to like kind of rhythmic energy above anything else. That's really what it feels like when you're listening to it. It kind of feels like why would I ever be listening to anything else than <laughs> this right now? Because it's so it, it's grabs you so much, it feels so kinda of urgent and so necessary as you're listening to it and vital. Um but then again when it when it does bring in the kind of spoken word stuff, you know, you realise kind of the resonance that it has in terms of like affirming like kind of black identity just now and was it with the rise of like, you know, the far right again and stuff like that and kinda of standing against that, providing a bulwark work to it. And um like every track on it is named after. So the the album's called Your Queen Is a Reptile, and all the tracks are My Queen Is, and mm-hmm. it's finished by the name of uh, like a a black woman from history. So like Ada Eastman, uh, Doreen Lawrence, um nanny of the Maroons. You know, so it's all kind of affirming. You know, the historical importance and relevance of these black women who maybe been overlooked mm-hmm. as the history books have been written. Um, so it, yeah, it's got political dimensions. It's got like this really like like, compelling, like, rhythmic sense. It's just, yeah, it's just such a strong, strong piece of work. It's one that I've, like, not really stopped listening to since it came out in March. It's really strongest, highest recommendation for it, even if you don't think you like jazz.
0: Well, and that's just what I'm going to say, because I do like jazz, yeah. but um, there are people, the words jazz and spoken word put together, they yeah. kind of start to freak out. But, uh, but it's I mean, there's there a Miles Davis overtones going on here? No, I mean, really. I, mean, yeah. I
1: guess I would put it more in line of, like... Um, I, I, get, I think like this kind of new wave of jazz that's coming through just now both in America and here is probably more influenced by kind of the early 70s stuff I would say that more kind of like cosmic jazz stuff it's oh, not yeah. like Washington that yeah, yeah, more spiritual element so yeah, yeah. he would draw more from like Pharaoh Sanders and you know Russ and Roland Kirk and you know all these kind of guys who were good, even like Alice Coltrane and you know, yes, all the yes. kind of stuff that was kicking about in the early 70s where you had that kind of Overlap of kind of like spirituality and your know, black identity and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, so really kind of more like, kind of so the way that it's was.
0: interacting with hip hop is similar to what was happening there with soul music and kind of,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think again, like that, what's on this record isn't really hip hop. I would definitely paint it more spoken word, yeah. than hip hop. Like they have like contributions from a I don't even know if a common MC but who like appears on a couple of tracks and you know. Um, perform some lyrics but it, it doesn't really function the way that rap does it's just more I think to kind of ha- like get the points across that they're trying to make with the music mm-hmm. um but yeah it's, it's really it sounds like little else that I heard this year okay, like, wow. I can't really think of that many like pre oh, I think the main probably the main prior comparison I would make for it would be somebody more like Felicuti I guess yes, I yeah. think like rather than American jazz it feels like it's drawing more from like Afrobeat and mm-hmm. that kind of sense that prioritises rhythm over yeah. melodicism necessarily um, but yeah really really compelling listen really really loved it
0: um, Wesley any uh,
2: another one that really struck you this year uh, in terms of something that really probably stood out or uh, that I've been going back to quite a lot is uh Casey Musgraves' album, right. Never, Don't know. which has been really great. Uh, Casey Musgraves isn't someone I was particularly familiar with. I yeah. think this might be, somebody said this is like her seventh album. Or yeah, something. She's like, done a few. Yeah. yeah, she's done quite a few. And not anyone I was really aware of. Um, and it's very much in the vein of sort of, sort of country pop, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some really, really interesting musical moments on it. Um, it sort of takes that tried and tested formula and now sort of stale country pop formula, you know, that, Taylor Swift, Monoculars yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. Except it's a really mature version of it. There's a lot of music um, musicality in it that really reminded me of um, Conan Moccasin at times, and right. uh, even Mike Demarco and this sort of new wave of left field sort of you know rhythmic uh, kind of music that's happening. Um, but with like the sort of smart pop sensibility okay. of um, podcast favorite Carly A. E. Gibson mm-hmm. in there. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and there's also even, like, sort of moments of, like, kind of the folkier side of Cat Power. Yeah. Um, it's it's great. It's um very, very dreamlike. Um, it sort of has lingered about in my mind quite a while after it. Um, it doesn't say anything particularly powerful. It's all about, you know, relationships, and as a lot of country pop is, or a lot of country yeah. is. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a total gem. And uh, also, speaking of country music, never a genre that I've really... A, a genre I grew up with around family members listening to and have appreciated in certain elements, but not something I've ever sought out albums, but there was a great album by um, Gretchen Peters this year called yeah, uh, no, yeah, Dancing with that. the Beast, I think it was called. That's what I've written down here, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm sure that's what it's called. Uh, I first heard the "Arguing with Ghosts" song mm-hmm. on the radio, which is really, really, really good. Um, and yeah, um, some of the songs can sort of appear a little bit whimsical in a sort of country way that you would expect if you don't really delve into it a little bit more. But um, it's got really, really poignant lyrics, and it's got a sort of sinister undertone to it, which um, is actually a really, really interesting way of putting the album together. Um, It's not really reinventing the wheel, but Mm -hmm. it's um, still a really, really solid, uh, dark sort of country release.
0: Um, Chris have you want to stick with another
2: uh,
1: yeah uh, I really loved uh, the Against All Logic album 2012 to 2017 so Against All Logic is one of the aliases of Nicholas Jar, who's a uh, kind of producer DJ uh, electronic musician who's put out several releases over the last few years again under various kind of pseudonyms and what have you but uh, often kind of goes for kind of the more intellectual response to electronic music than necessarily like, something you'd want to dance to I think his most famous release is probably is uh, Only Noise mm-hmm. uh, which came out, like, I think, 2011 um, young guy, Chilean, American um, like re- does really interesting stuff I saw him at the Barras like, last year, I think and again, the first 25 minutes was entirely beatless like it was just him kind of playing about with like electronic textures and light shows and stuff like that not to everyone's taste, obviously if people were just there for a dance but... Um, Against guess the whole logic is his house music project so it is explicitly stuff that you can dance to and it is explicitly designed for that and it is magnificent <laughs> like from start to end like it's just a bunch of like four on four kind of you know like absolute banger after banger after banger after banger just constructed for all these kind of he's got a great year for samples and just you know pulling from all kinds of sources and um, yeah I, I mean I don't know I to, to be honest like I'm not the best person to talk to about like the history of dance music and stuff, you know, I have a vague grasp. <laughs> of Well you've already said you're a clubber, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a I've clubber who doesn't like clubber. never been a clubber, you know. I have a vague, <laughs> I have a vague grasp of like its evolution and stuff, going through, like house and techno and Mindless and all this yeah. kind of stuff. But um, it, it's fantastic. It's such an enjoyable listen. I think for right? anyone just enjoys like electronic pop, yeah, or whatever, then it's it's just really solidly constructed from start to end, and it flows as well. Although like. I think it's a compilation of stuff that he's kind of released, well, that's what it's called, 2012 to 2017, it's stuff that he released individually over that five-year period, but yeah. it flows so well as an album from start to end it's almost as if he conceived it with that in mind, you know, and was just releasing it a track at a time, over that time span. Um, but yeah, again, really, really strong recommendation on that, I really loved it.
0: Before we move on to gigs, I just want to talk a little bit about some of the, there seem to be some themes, and there always is every year, but in Scottish music in particular, um, and it kind of goes back to what we we're talking about with um, Aiden and, and a Hubby and, and Catherine Joseph as well. I think maybe in the darker side of things, but um, f- the kind of folk music, even moving into Americana with some bands like um, Gracious Losers and Starry Skies and stuff. But um, and Modern Studies, um, Welcome Strangers, um, which a uh, is a step up from oh God, swell to great. I think was the last record. Uh, so it's kind of moved forward and they had live shows with strings and, you know, um, backing singers and huge uh, events. But I've also seen them doing it stripped down and it works both ways, you know, a great collection of songs. But they're, they're, the standout song from the album for me is Mud and Flame and that kind of gets into it. There's this almost going back to nature. There's a lot of nature um, and uh, I mean, I think you said, like, Catherine Joseph seems to be tapping into something which is um, not just about her, but something deeper. Um, and Zoe Bestel's uh, Transients, which, again, I think she, I think she's down in the borders. Um, and a, it's a record that has got birdsong on it and talks the skies. And there's, there's a feeling maybe that... Sometimes you get music which is all urban and about the city, and I mean that in the widest sense as possible, you know, city living and stuff like that, but there seems to be a kind of movement or a theme at the moment to kind of look outside of that and and to see kind of what else uh, is going on, um, which I think is quite... Quite interesting. I, I'm sure it'll be changed on its head by next year, and something else will be happening. Mm. Gigs of the year. Let's briefly, uh, before we finish, talk about our favourite gigs. I actually went to loads, but all, nearly all of them were small um, ones, getting uh, kind of small venues, which I like. And I've now realised that's what I like to go to. I'm not really going to pay, you know, 105 pounds to see Hall and Oates uh, <laughs> anymore. <laughs> hey, but Chris.
1: Um. Get, I, oh, I guess again not leaving the Scottish bands entirely behind us. I think particularly on this podcast we can't let a discussion of gigs this year go past without marking teenage fan clubs yes. remarkable three night stand at the Barres uh, yeah. in October which was not really like anything I've ever seen done before I know there's a real vogue just now for bands performing albums in full mm-hmm. on tour but to mount it on this scale for anyone who doesn't know what they did basically the TH Fan Club this year reissued five albums that they put out on creation records throughout the 90s so Bandwagon esque, 13 Grand Prix Songs from Northern Britain and Howdy all of them put out between 1990 and 2000 three best records ever made I yeah like an incredible run at work Um and they performed them live in full over three nights. So the first night it was Bandwagonist and 13. The second night was Grand Prix and songs from Northern Britain. Last night was Howdy and then a set of like B-sides and rarities. And to see them all played in such close proximity, because they weren't encores. They didn't drop in songs from any other albums or anything, You know, or like come back out after the albums were done. They played the albums in full and that was it. So over the course of the three nights, they played 75 songs, not repeating one of them. And it almost became, almost started feeling like a piece of epic theatre or something. You know, <laughs> it was like you could see the band like evolve before your eyes. You know, from starting out with that kind of grungy, and they had person. different members. I mean, yeah, yeah. know like different drummers. Yeah, they brought back, uh, like they reflected the lineup who recorded the album. So they had yeah. Brendan O'Hare for yeah. the first night. Had, you know, Paul Quinn and yeah. Francis McDonald came back as well. So they really, like, committed to the bit. <laughs> you know, and um, it was just remarkable. It kind of see it done in such close proximity to one another to to hear the albums played in full and play out and have your full attention and like kind of chart the course of the band over a 10-year period compressed down into like three nights you know one after the other and you'd see the same people coming back night after night it really felt like kind of like we're all going through this together kind of thing um it was just yeah i've never seen anything quite like it and i think it was just a remarkable remarkable thing and obviously, of course, um, Jerry Love's last gigs with the band yeah, in Glasgow. He's now in really the United States leaving, so it really feels like the end of an era. Very much so. the way that they could have marked that, you know, it really feels like here's a line in the sand moment. This is now the Teenage Fan Club minus Jerry Love era, which uh, is heartbreaking for me because like, he's my favourite member and I don't even know how they're going to cope with his loss because it's, it's such an unusual kind of structure for Teenage Fan Club where they each take and he combed out a songwriting responsibility and perform their own songs so now it's like we're well, just not going to perform like Star Sign or Sparky's Dream or you know Disco Light anymore because they're so distinctively his, Jerry loves songs yeah. and like his voice is so much well I mean he sings them but they're so clearly his songs I can't really picture like Norman or Raymond taking over vocal duties on them you yeah. know so it, just, it feels like a very uncertain period just now for Teen Schmack. but I'm very curious to see where they go from here
0: because I think if people aren't fans of Teenage Fan Club, surely everyone is, yeah. but if people aren't, then they maybe don't realise that there is this delineation of, of songs, and that, that's a Jerry song, that's a Norman that's song. Jerry is, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wesley, have you been gigging this year? Yeah,
2: lots of gigs as usual, and that was my top gigs, the <laughs> Teenage Fan Club, beautifully summed up by, uh, by Chris there. Um, I only went the first two nights, did mm-hmm. managed to make it to the third night, unfortunately. Um, although for me, my love for Teenage Fan Club is pretty much up, through they, not including Howdy, yeah, yeah. Not through dislike of the albums, I don't think they've ever made a bad album. Yeah. Um, just because that's just what I grew up listening mm-hmm. to and that's sort of where my love for Teenage Fan Club had you know, hadn't really reached beyond. But seeing them perform those songs as as Chris said uh, night after night was was remarkable and um, Thirteen was always an album I I actually thought it was a very underrated album. Yes, yes, I agree. And, uh, except seeing it live, made me realise it was an even better album than I thought it was. <laughs> um, I didn't think it was a particularly brilliant album, just very underappreciated, but seeing it live, yeah, was, mm-hmm. was excellent. Um, I think for me, probably, two massive standouts, um, David Byrne at the Royal Concert Hall. Um, That's the, the
0: only one I have gig envy for, for this yeah, year's yeah, David Byrne. Did you make
2: it to the Hydro one? No, I didn't I make it mean, at all. the Hydro, hydro Sorry, the Hydro one. The hydro. Yeah, yeah that was spectacular and the only way David Byrne can make it spectacular yeah. um, it was a piece of theatre it was a piece of comedy um, in a good way yeah, deliberately yeah, yeah. so um, the use of the stage and the production was remarkable um, it was very very stripped back um, and the way that when he took St Vincent the production on the stage was a little bit more uh, visual in terms of you know there's a lot going on um, this was literally just a, a stream of lights hanging from the ceiling all around it that just seem to envelop the the band. Um and obviously for anybody who hasn't seen David Byrne, um he just walks around with a sort of travelling Mr. Boomlight marching band with everybody wearing their instruments and it's um it's perfectly choreographed and the the set list from start to finish. It was, it was an album, his album came out this year, but yeah, yeah. Um, it was out an album yeah, I didn't fall totally in love yeah, with. It's yeah. It's okay, there's bits on it that were really interesting, bits that were very good, bits that were almost insufferable. <laughs> um but together the set list that you put together was was excellent. And um the other one for me probably was um I had the great pleasure of seeing the Twilight Sad twice this year and? on well sorry, three times if you count The Cure, which again remarkable gig but um I'm kinda of focusing on some smaller stuff. Uh the Twilight Sad two shows that I saw this year, um one in Paris and one recently The Liquid Room um has just Completely cemented how much that band have just been elevated into yeah. one of the most. I hate using the word important, but there's very few bands just now who have just refused to change their sound and just stuck to what they what they know, what they want to make, and what they're good at, and yeah. they formed such a strong, like fervent fan base off the back of it, and um, their new stuff is very accessible. Um, Twilight Sand was never completely inaccessible, but mm-hmm. um, the new stuff is has developed this sort of maturity um, in a way that doesn't feel, feel forced. Yeah. Um, it just feels very open to, to New audience members and the live show has just taken an even bigger step up. Jamesy's va- vocals live are, are tremendous. and um, The Liquid Room show was was pretty spectacular because I think, uh, again, speaking of uh, Scott Action this year, the last time I saw, and a lot of people probably saw, Anyone in liquid the rooms um, from that sort of music scene was was Frank Rabbit's last yeah. show there, and um, they've been performing "Keep Yourself Warm" a lot on this tour, so the the emotional energy in the room that night was was uh, was pretty pretty heavy, yeah. but um, pretty special at the same time, and they've got Grant from Frank Rabbit as their tour manager, so the fact that they pretty much toured the, the the new stuff around Europe and it finished in Edinburgh just seemed really appropriate, and. Um, a really, really special moment for the yeah. band, um, and I think next year's going to be a huge year for them, so spoiler alert, that's probably going to be my album of the year next year.
0: <laughs> Gone too soon. Uh, any other gigs, uh, uh, Chrisley?
1: Yeah, well, in terms of like larger-scale stuff, I think I have to mention like, Lauren Hill, yeah. which I know Wesley was at as well, um, but I don't think anybody really knew what we were in for, because <laughs> she's so kind of mercurial and so kind of like... I mean, the week before she played the Hydro, she showed up two hours late. Yes, I see. Paris. This is... And a... I think everybody was kind of like, are we going to spend our money here for a 40-minute set or whatever? Mm-hmm. And to be fair, she was only only 40 minutes late oh, in Glasgow, no. so um, she she came on stage, she was due on at 20 past nine, and she came on stage at 10. Unfortunately, she had a curfew of eleven. Uh, so, uh, but she went past it, she played... Um, like a selection of tracks from the Miss Education Lauren Hill, which is the tour was celebrating its twentieth anniversary, uh, ended with a couple of Fuji's tracks, did uh, Killing Him Softly mm-hmm. or Killing, Killing Killing Me Softly yeah, with you know, his you. song. I was getting my pronouns mixed <laughs> up, here. Killing Me Softly with his song and uh, Ready or Not, uh, and then during Ready or Not the house lights went up and it was like, right, get off. It's yeah. quarter past eleven, you're fifteen minutes past your curfew. Um, but she was phenomenal. Sure. Like, while she was on stage, it ended up being an hour and a quarter long set. And I think people could grouse at like, having paid, like, £40, 50 £60 pound for a ticket. Some for, people did. Yeah, for 75 minutes. But it was just so extraordinary. Like, yeah. while she was on stage, it really felt like being in the presence of, like, greatness. She yeah, is great. I mean, great. She I is, mean is, absolutely. But, but, I mean, like, someone of the stature of, like, you know, like, like Anina Simona or an Aretha Franklin yeah. or something, you really felt Interesting. like you were seeing someone, like... This is, like, a massive figure. This is a massively important figure in the history of popular music. And we're in the same room with her right now. And she's performing at, like, close to peak of her powers. You know, she's really just... Yeah, it was it was remarkable. It was just absolutely
0: so incredible. Is this going to lead to more um, recorded stuff? Does anyone well, know? I, can
1: say. I mean,
0: she because she hasn't done a lot. No, has she?
1: she released a, an MTV Unplugged album a couple of years after the Education, which had some was largely new material um, and was done kind of acoustically. But she hasn't really done much since then. A couple of songs yeah. here and there, but I think she's she hasn't been without her troubles over yes, the Yes, I know, year. I know, and, I know. I suppose and, that's right. And I wouldn't be surprised if that like. The kind of upsurge in touring over the last couple of years has been financially, to, yeah, financially yeah. motivated. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I, I mean, we'll see what the future brings. But just knowing that she's still out there and able to perform at that level is, is very heartening. Yeah. And it, it felt a very
2: timely return as well in terms yeah. of we were just discussing how strong uh, women in being hip hop have been mm-hmm. over the past yeah. couple of years. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, she would have
0: been influential in she that. Definitely. Absolutely
2: was, and as uh, Chris said, presence of greatness as soon as she walked out on stage and. And just open their mouths like telescopes or something like the lines of hello Glasgow as you would expect, and yeah. I was like, "Wow, that's actually more than a house." Speaking of this, is this is unbelievable, but that was a, a special gig. Yeah, um, in terms of smaller scale stuff, though, I just to not like. So we're all
1: talking about the hydro all the time. Um, don't worry I'm probably, <laughs> probably um, my favourite band in the country just now actually still I haven't released an album the Bossy Love who yes. we talked about before on here but I saw them open for uh, Lady Tron actually at the QMU I didn't even stay for Lady Tron like I had friends who were going along who were friends with the band and you were just like do you want to come along with us to see them and they played for half an hour and they're just incredible like, yeah. they're just so good there's just nobody else in the country right now that prefer- again it's pop yeah. And it's unashamedly pop. And there's just, like, no one else in the country just now doing it as well as them. Like, they're just so on it. Like, on everything. Like, they just every aspect of it, of, like, how they present themselves on stage, the influences they draw from, the way they kind of synthesize it into their own thing and, like, play to their individual strengths. Is just, it's just, it's, like, it's a masterclass in how to put on, like, a pop show on a budget. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, uh, they're just really yeah the fantastic cannot wait for them to actually finally release an album yeah I think it will blow a lot of people's minds and is that, with,
0: that coming next dude. year do you think fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> so be, I think we've got Chris's favourite <laughs> album of 2019 <laughs> <laughs> I don't know call Wesley's from 2019 um, as I said before I, I've been going to loads of small uh, um, gigs and increasingly small spaces mm-hmm. uh, one which stood out for me was at Broadcast and it was the aforementioned L space Um and Half-Formed Things um, from Edinburgh, a guy called Bob Robertson. Now, the reason this was so exciting to me is because I love L-Space, And half formed things, I've only released a couple of um, songs. They've got an album hopefully coming out soon. I just love what they do. Um, How can I explain it? Uh, you've got incredible kind of driven drums and uh, harmonies and keys, and it just rattles a lot. It's kind of like ish radio head that kind of stuff it rattles along at a fair speed and there's you think the song's ended and then it goes off again and it's, it's they're, a, they're an incredible band um and i can't wait for their album to come out which should come out next year um i've already mentioned Band uh, who played at, at mono and uh, the mono gig in particular when they were kind of headlining was uh, was fantastic um I should also mention um, with the caveat that this is a, an advert from my brother's place, but uh, Andy still puts on these gigs at Braemar Gallery and he's doing more and more of them as things go on, um, and w- there was a couple this year that were just <coughs> phenomenal. One was, um, a, I think we've mentioned before, but Barry James, who's got an album coming out next year, um, a formerly of Cassidy. Uh, he's doing a lot of soul, really psychedelic, kind of seventy psychedelic stuff, weird and trippy and interesting, and so he's got new music coming out, and he was up there playing, um, and uh, the other one which I want to mention was Starry Skies, or McIntosh Starry Skies, who supported, um, I think they went under the name Tenement and Temple, but it was Monica Queen, johnny smiley who had been in thrum many years ago before monica's solo queer career and i think monica is one of the best singers we have it's an incredible voice and they did um they finished with doing monica queen songs which saw me and my brother almost in tears because <laughs> we were hearing them live like that and it's a piece but yeah this is it's a small gallery it's in braemar brother runs it and they put on gigs so uh, if you're in the area go up and check them out because there's some amazing ones going on uh, and, and then uh, even smaller than that was the house gig that Chris and I went yeah, to yeah, uh, yeah. Ross Dixie. But, but this, is, this is a growing phenomenon these house yeah. gigs um, you know I know the stuff's been recorded in flats and put out um, regularly before but you um, I went to a couple this year. One was our last night from Glasgow one. And then this one was um Carla Easton because it was partly her flat. Yes. And uh, the two Canadian... You now, Carla had been in Canada and um, and you can hear this on the podcast that she did with us earlier in the year. Um, so she brought two, two musicians over, Marlena Moore and Tim the Mute. And then she played and Eugene Kelly played as yeah. well. So you had this incredible situation of sitting in someone's front room kind of like we are at the moment. Uh, with a set-up in the corner and just hearing these amazing musicians play, it was brilliant.
1: Yeah, being like 10 feet from Eugene Kelly. Was like, <laughs> I mean, I know that's not a massive rarity in Glasgow. Like, at any of at any given time can <laughs> kind be of 10 feet from Eugene Kelly. But I uh, don't know it. And I was at Teenage Fan Club. Like, the last night at Teenage Fan Club, Eugene Kelly and Francis McKee were standing in front of me. It was like, the Vaseline's are right here. <laughs> like, it's, it's one of those things where you just kind of have to stop yourself every now and again and be like, Think of like how many American indie bands are like massively jealous yeah. right now, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it was incredible. Just be like, I mean, he he played mostly. He only did like four songs yes, there or something. Yes. But like one of them was a Vaseline song. He did high tide, low tide. So like, not, yeah, I'm not happy But that,
0: yeah. I like the idea that these um, are happening about the place, and sometimes you could go into someone's room or um, you know see someone playing that you just don't expect
2: yeah uh, and that's indicative of the, the creative culture we'll be talking yeah, about it's
0: absolutely and really, uh, really supportive and people are um, turning up and saying yeah I'll, I'll play at that gig or I'll just turn up in the audience yes. at that gig and see these things Well, I think that is the perfect place to leave it. So, uh, that was Music for 2018. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Wesley. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. Cheers. And we'll be back in the new year with loads of different people. So, cheers.